You know, we've been doing a series, uh, been doing a series on the Spirit-filled church. God dwells in His people by His Spirit. And in some ways, what we're going to talk about this morning is really the core or the heartbeat of this whole thing of the Spirit-filled church because we're talking about Spirit-filled people. And the Spirit-filled church is filled with people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, by very definition, I think almost anybody could come up with with that definition of a Spirit-filled church. Filled with people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. God's most basic desire for you is that you would be filled up with all the fullness of God himself, which is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God lives in his church by his spirit, and God lives in you by his spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit changed the disciples from a weak and fearful men into bold and courageous witnesses. It was the Holy Spirit that caused the miraculous spread of the church to the ends of the earth. When the apostles and believers in Acts faced difficult and dangerous situations, they handled them by being filled with the Holy Spirit. They had the words that they needed to say by being filled with the Spirit. The way God accomplishes things in your life and my life is by His Spirit. It's the way God works. If you want to be permeated with peace, if you want to be filled with love, overflowing with hope and joy, that all comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. The power to bless and help and do good and minister to other people comes from allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Andrew Murray said, of of all the questions in theology, there is none that leads us more deeply into the glory of God, none that is of more intense, vital, and practical importance for daily life than this. In what way and to what extent God's Holy Spirit can dwell in and fill the heart of His child making it into a holy temple of God with Christ reigning there as an ever-present and almighty Savior. In other words, the big question in theology, and actually the big question in life, is in what way and to what extent can you be filled with the Spirit of God? One huge difference that I see between the Christianity that I grew up around, and what I, be, what I began to see in the scriptures or in the Bible is, is the emphasis in the Bible on the Holy Spirit as someone to be known and experienced and who makes a real impact on your life and heart and everything about you. Receiving the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit in the Bible... Was it was a definite experience that you knew whether you had or not. As a young man growing up, if I was asked, have you received the Holy Spirit or are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I would have probably said, I guess so, or I think so, or I hope so, or 
I think the Bible says I am, doesn't it? But the whole, the whole subject wasn't really talked about that much at all. But my impression was that being filled with the Holy Spirit was something that happened uh, automatically or unconsciously. In other words, it was something that I was just sort of totally unaware of. It was kind of like, the Holy Spirit was kind of like a book on the shelf. You, you were kind of glad it was there. You, you, know, you knew it was there, but you really didn't, didn't have any relationship or any interaction with it, uh, there, there was just he did no no real impact on you. But that was not what I saw in the Bible. And as, as uh, John Piper said, and I think very profoundly, he said, "For them, the Holy Spirit was a fact of experience. For many Christians today, it is a fact of doctrine." And by the way, uh, desiring God's side has a Fantastic message on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, if you want to, want to look that up. But for them, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was a fact of experience. And, and for many today, it is merely a fact of doctrine. In Acts chapter 19, it tells us that the Apostle Paul took a back road to Ephesus from Corinth. And he ran into some disciples, or what Luke calls disciples. And so Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I think I know all the different doctrinal positions on this verse and this chapter. But the one thing that is unmistakable to me here is Paul's first concern with followers, who he thinks are followers of Jesus, or disciples, who he thinks are followers of Jesus. His first concern with people who he thinks are followers of Jesus is their relationship with or their experience of the Holy Spirit. And he's essentially asking them, okay, you guys are disciples. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Do you know about the Holy Spirit? Do you know him personally? Somehow, apparently, Paul sensed that they lacked something of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It turned out he was right. They answered, no, we have not heard, we've not even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul shared truth with them. He baptized them in the name of Jesus and water baptism. He laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit says came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. He, he led them from not even knowing if there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit to an experience of the Holy Spirit and I might say an unforgettable experience of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure if anyone ever asked these guys again if they had received the Holy Spirit, they would have confidently said, Amen, absolutely, you bet. So Paul did not merely give them information about the Spirit. He brought them into the experience of the Spirit. Each and every believer is to enjoy and experience what Jesus called the promise of the Father or what the Father promised. I mean... This was such a, such a big promise, such a core promise, that it was called the promise of the Father, or it was called what the Father promised. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is this promise of the Father. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is from the Father. It is something for all His children, and it is something good because the Father gives good things to His children. 
And some of you may know that, but you may not know this, that actually Jesus Christ himself is involved in this precious gift, this outpouring. Acts 2.33 says, Exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus Christ has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And he has poured out what you now see and hear. Isn't that remarkable? It's like, The father said, okay, I have this massive promise for my children. And he gives this promise to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ now pours out on his children what the father had promised. So this precious gift, this precious promise is something that both the father and his son, Jesus Christ, have for you. And they give you, the father and the son, Jesus Christ, give you this promise precious gift. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he began to prepare his disciples for something profound, powerful, and absolutely necessary that would happen after he ascended into heaven. Early in his ministry, he told them that there would be rivers of living waters that would flow out from inside their innermost being. John said this referred to the Holy Spirit who would be poured out after Jesus Christ returned to the Father. And it wasn't given presently because Jesus had not yet been ascended. But Jesus prepared his disciples. He prepared his followers for this promised gift. I mean, what a a promise. I mean, of all the things that you need in life, I can't think of anything more that you need than rivers of living water flowing out of your innermost being. Instead of being dry and living on empty, as it were, spiritually and having, and having really nothing to give or offer, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will flow out of you like a river of living water. And this, this was not something new. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, through the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Joel and others, God said, I am going to pour out my spirit on my people. Like water on a thirsty land and like streams on the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit upon you. In the last days of Jesus' life, he spoke more and more and more about his leaving and the Holy Spirit coming. And he said the spirit's presence is so powerful that it is to your advantage or to your benefit that I, that I go and that he comes. Uh, J.D. Greer with the Gospel Coalition has a book out on the Holy Spirit, and he said, the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. That's what Jesus said. He said it's kind of, kind of remarkable. It might kind of sound shocking to us, but the spirit inside you is better than Jesus beside you. And I, I think just as a side note, that's because Jesus comes to live in us by his spirit. When Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, he zeroed in on this message about the Holy Spirit even more. In Luke 24, 49, he said, you are witnesses of my death and resurrection, and I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. It's like, don't go anywhere. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Wait until you receive this promise. Wait until you are clothed with power from on high. 
In Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, perhaps referring to the same event, perhaps another time, but it's after the resurrection, Jesus again appearing to his disciples, and he said, Wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. I mean, Jesus had prepped them for this. He had, he had, he had, he had uh, built this up. I mean, there's, there was this long buildup to something that was astonishing, profound, great that was going to happen. He said, wait for what the, promise, what the Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Just as they had been immersed in water. I mean, just in a, when you've, if you've been baptized in, in water, I mean, it's, it's a, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, it's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. You go completely under the water and, and you come back up out of it. And uh, Jesus said, just as you are immersed in water by John the Baptist, soon, in a few days, you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And he went on to say, Acts 1.8, which probably most all of us know, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and, and clear to the ends of the earth. And you've got to remember he was talking to, at, at this point, I mean, we, we know what they became, all right? I mean, we know what these guys became and did, and we kind of have them up here and maybe on a pedestal. At this point, I mean, these were, these were guys that were, they, they just locked themselves in a room because they were so afraid. Uh, they were fishermen, they were uneducated people, they, they were not leaders in society, they were not movers and shakers, they were not powerful people in the sense that we think of charismatic or power, powerful people. I mean, they must have been absolutely stunned at this promise that, that the Holy Spirit would take them and make them witnesses even to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit would make the impossible possible. Now, there are several different phrases, and I would just like to comment on them, that are used in Scripture to describe this phenomenon. And I think just, just knowing how they're talked about is, 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 is actually very enlightening and very profound and very important, important to us. In, in the book of Luke, which we read in our, our Scripture reading this morning, Jesus said, you will be clothed with power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, he said, you will be baptized or immersed with the Holy Spirit. And then when this happened, in Acts chapter 2, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, it says the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the message. And Peter said that the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us or upon you. So let me ask you a question. Uh, We're... Were the believers, were the disciples, were they clothed with power from on high? Were they baptized with the Spirit? Or were they filled with the Spirit? Or did the Holy Spirit fall on them? I I think it's clear that all of these phrases describe the same thing. They are describing what I would call the high impact of the Holy Spirit on a person's life. They describe the impact of the Spirit on those who receive the promise of the Father. It clothes you, it immerses you, it fills you, it falls on you, it's poured out upon you. I mean, could any any more dramatic words be used to describe 
this experience of, of the Holy Spirit. This gift is not for just a select few who, who attain a certain special level of spirituality. It's not just for, for pastors or evangelists. It wasn't even just for the apostles. It wasn't for the, just the 120 in the upper room. That was, that was certainly, at Pentecost, that was certainly a unique time. That was certainly in some ways a one-time event. But the same gift, the same outpouring, the same effects of that gift extend to you and to me. Acts 2.39 says, this promise, again, what are we talking about? The promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And just what, what that tells us is that all that, all that the Holy Spirit uh, brings or all that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit could possibly mean, even if you don't understand it all, and I don't, I don't think I do yet, <laughs> But even if you don't understand fully all that the outpouring, the baptism, the, the clothing of, with power from on high, even if you don't fully understand all that it means, it is for you. It is for you. That's for sure. You know that absolutely for sure. And the, whole, the filling of the Holy Spirit is an, is an ongoing experience. Now, certainly, it seems there has to be some kind of initial filling, and some people call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In, in Acts 2, it's interesting that it just calls, says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But certainly, um, certainly it, it has, there has to be at some time, a first time when, when you have that, when you ex- experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. And yet, it is to be an ongoing repeated experience and we see this very clearly throughout the book of acts i mean you just you read the book of acts and just look for that one phrase filled with the holy spirit and it's just again and again paul filled with the holy spirit said this peter filled with the holy spirit said this stephen filled with the holy spirit did this the people that waited on tables filled with the holy spirit i mean just everybody was filled with the holy spirit for doing everything and saying everything acts 13 uh, 52 says and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And not to get sidetracked, but I think there's a very close connection between being filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In in Acts 4.31, the same people who were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, it says they were filled Again, the same people filled with the Spirit in Acts 2 are filled with the Spirit in Acts 4, 31. They, they needed to be filled again for another day, for another situation, and so do you. Again and again throughout the story of the early church, it tells us that people were, were, were filled with the, the, the Spirit in various situations, in various opportunities, uh, as they lived their life. In Acts 6, uh, 3 through 5, it says, when, when giving instructions for choosing some men to, to, to serve and distribute food or to serve tables or to wait on tables, the apostle said, Brothers, choose seven, mon- seven men who are known to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, I mean, that tells you a lot of things. I mean, it tells you, that maybe, you know, honest, quite frankly, not to condemn anyone, but it, it tells you that some people might not be known to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know. And 
Um, it also tells us that some people are so consistently filled with the Holy Spirit. They're so careful to walk in such a way that they are just so consistently and repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit that, that that's, that's what you know about them. They are known to be filled with the Spirit. And that's, that's how, how it should be. Certainly the Spirit indwells all believers at the moment of salvation. And ideally being filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit should also come at that time, just like water baptism ideally should. But it often comes later and can come at any time again and again as a continual experience. And I want to say this that I think is really important. Um, We are called to be Spirit-filled people not just good moral people. I know of a, a, a Christian mother, and this is many years ago. Don't try to, don't try to guess who this is because it, it's somebody several years ago. I know of a Christian mother who was so distressed by her son who was into drugs and immoral living that she was barely functioning herself. She rarely made it to church, really did not put God first in much of anything in her own life that I could see. And yet, she told Cindy and I, I just want God to get a hold of my son's life. And the, the thought came to me, and I think, I think it was from the Holy Spirit, that what she really wanted was for God to stop her son from doing bad things and to make him a good boy which is a good thing. But the more I talked to this dear lady, her passion was not for herself or for her son to be on fire for God. Not to be filled and immersed with the Holy Spirit. And you see, it's, it's one thing to want to be a good person or to want your kids to be good people. It's another thing to want to be clothed with power from on high, or to want your kids to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. We are called to a life that is empowered by the Spirit, not just to be nice people. Some people are uh, sincerely uh, wary or even afraid of, of the gifts and working of the Spirit because they view them as threatening the authority of the Bible. But I was impressed more than ever from preparing for this message that it is the Bible itself that tells us about the promise of the Spirit. You know, Peter said, what you see going on here was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams. The experience of the Holy Spirit and his outpouring and, and our ex- expectation of being filled and empowered comes from the Bible. The Holy Spirit's activity and leading and working and gifts do not change our view of God's word being our unchanging final authority in all things. But I loved what Jim Cimbala said. 
It's not new truth that he brings. We already have God's unchangeable truth in Scripture. But what we need is the Spirit's life and power. And how, and how we do. How we do. All right. I would like to talk for a few minutes on what a... And this is the words that, that came to me. I'm not saying they're from the Holy Spirit, but they're the words that came to me. And I hope they make sense to you. But I'd like to talk to you about what a spirit-filled version of you will look like. And, and I, I believe in, in one sense there, there is sort of a, an, a non-spirit-filled version and a spirit-filled version of, e- of each of us. And I don't have a chapter and verse for that, but I mean, look at, look at Peter and the apostles. I mean, there's, there's kind of a, a, a non-spirit-filled version of Peter, and then, then there was a spirit-filled version of, of Peter. And each of you can live life in a spirit-filled form, if, if you will, if you know what, I, know what I mean. Number one, being filled with the Spirit results in you being thrilled with God and the gospel and with Jesus Christ. I mean, when, when we're filled with the Spirit, we are, we are happy, thrilled. I don't mean happy on a very deep level, but we're thrilled with the truths of the gospel, the truths of our salvation. The, we're thrilled with God and his goodness and his wonders and with Jesus Christ. Uh, it results in, in you being thrilled and talking about God's goodness and greatness. You know, in Acts chapter 2, they spoke in tongues, and, and I'm not going to focus on that this morning. I do have a whole message that I gave just on that topic. I think it's still on our church website if you want, if you want, to, want to read it. I'm not going to d- really delve into it. just don't have time with all that we're talking about today. But it, it, they, they were filled with the, they, or they spoke in tongues declaring the wonders of God. You know, they were just, they, they, they were uh, filled with the Spirit. They spoke in, in new languages, words and syllables they had, they'd never learned before. And what they were doing, though, was declaring the wonders of God. In Acts 10, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the, out on the Gentiles gathered at Cornelius' house. And they heard them, the Jew, Jews, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. I mean, that's, that's, that's what they were doing. They were in, in speaking in their tongues language. They were praising God. You know, in Luke 1, 41, when Elizabeth was filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit, or it says, when Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. In, in Luke 1, 67, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, Praise be to the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. But my point is that every time in Scripture that people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they break forth into this effusive praise of our God and Savior and of Jesus Christ, His Son, and of the wonderful things that God is and does. And and I think Ephesians 5, 19, and 20 backs that up. It says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing and make music in in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, for everything. I mean, being filled with the Holy Spirit, a, a, a version of you that is filled with the Holy Spirit will, 
can result in a total makeover of your attitudes and will, and will open up your eyes to what a great thing it is to be a Christian. And so we sing and we praise and we're thankful for everything. And this, this really can be you. This can be you filled with the Spirit. Number two, being filled with the Spirit makes you effective in getting things done and saying things that need to be said in crucial situations. In common, ordinary, ordinary uh, things and in really stressful things, the Holy Spirit helps you say what you need to say and do what you need to do. I, I do find it interesting in the books, book of Acts that you know, whether they waited on tables or were speaking in the face of death threats, they, did, they were enabled to do both by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit results in boldness to identify yourself as a Christian and to speak up for his name. Jesus told the disciples that they would be arrested and brought to trial. And he said, but don't worry beforehand what you will say. Just say whatever is given you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. He was just telling them that, that, that when things get really tense and when you're on, on trial, and, and he said, don't, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. Don't, don't th- even think about it ahead of time. The Holy Spirit will give you. And you see that again and again through the book of Acts. When the people are threatened, it says, then filled with the Holy Spirit, they said whatever they said. But they did it in the power, in the filling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, when Peter and John were seized and put in jail overnight and brought in before the, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law to be questioned, uh, in, this, in this very tense situation, the next verse says, but Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He began to speak. And I'm not going to read you his whole quote because it's rather, rather long. But he basically said, you know, it, the, the man that you crucified, it was in his name that this man, this, this healed person stands before you. And then he went on to say, and there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we, he must, we must be saved. I mean, he spoke that. Uh, that was a pretty bold thing to say if you think about who he was saying it to. Pe- people who hated Jesus and wanted to kill and silence his followers. But the very, very next verse says, when, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. It was the Holy Spirit in pressing situations that gave them the courage and the words to speak. And the Holy Spirit will give you the courage and the words and the leading of what to do in the pressing situations of your life. Number three, a Holy, a Holy Spirit-filled version of you will be equipped to minister to others, and you'll want to. Okay, A Holy Spirit-filled version of you will be equipped to minister to others, and you will want to. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, I'm just going to read this, a, a little bit of a longer verse here, or passage. It's very important. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith 
by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another uh, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these and many other spiritual gifts that are mentioned in other, other passages, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He gives them to each one just as he determines. This passage makes it clear that your ability to work comes from the working of the Holy Spirit. Your, your ability to do anything effective in other people's lives in any way to offer them comes from the Spirit manifesting himself through, through you. And as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, I, I believe it makes sense to, 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 uh, to understand that as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be uh, an increasing use of uh, the Holy Spirit's gifts and, and the things that he's equipped you with. I mean, I, I, know, I know that in, in my own life. You know, I've, I, I, I've, all, always, I've prayed for the word of God to flow out of my, uh, my, my lips like, like a mighty, rushing, never-ending river. But I know if I'm not very filled with the Holy Spirit, there's not much that's flowing, you know. So that's, it's, uh, it, it's as, we're, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit or, or a Holy Spirit-filled version of you, is equipped to minister to others, and you'll want to. Uh, number, f- I, you know, I didn't number these in my points, so I might be four, might be three, I'm not sure. The next one is that the filling of the Holy Spirit gives you special grace in your most extreme suffering and trials. And a, a Holy Spirit-filled version of you will have amazing grace to live through your most extreme situations in life. Acts 7.55, just before Stephen was stoned, it tells us Stephen filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's that phrase again. We see again and again. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Situations don't get a lot more extreme than, than being stoned or being just moments before you're being stoned. And yet Stephen in that moment was filled with the Holy Spirit. He wasn't, he wasn't downcast. I mean, the, the Holy Spirit gave him uh, this incredible revelation and vision. And you, you sense that there was peace in his heart and we and we know that i mean there was this glow on his face uh, that he that he had at that at that time and many believers throughout history went went through terrible suffering went to terrible deaths singing singing hymns of praise and that that grace can only be explained by being filled with the holy spirit in times of extreme suffering and it it was it was during the time that my wife was dying of uh, ovarian cancer. At the time she was given like two weeks to live. She was 90 pounds, bald, with a colostomy. That Cindy and I had some of our most amazing, comfort, comforting, and empowering experiences with the Holy Spirit. And sometime we'll have, we're going to have her share about that with the, with the church. Number five, I'll say. 
being, being filled with the Spirit brings you greater revelation of the love of God. A Spirit-filled version of you is going to just be overwhelmed and satisfied with the love of God. You know, in Ephesians 3, Paul prayed that the Ephesians could be strengthened or would be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit in order to comprehend the love of Christ, to know its breadth and length and height and depth so that they might be filled up with all the fullness of God. So I'm not sure which came first, but it was like, okay, we're praying that they would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to comprehend the love of of Christ, that they might be filled up with all the fullness of God. But my point is that being filled with the Spirit and being completely aware of the love of God go together. And as you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to become more and more aware, more and more blessed by, more and more comforted by, uh, more and more satisfied with, more and more rejoicing in the love that God has for you. And Romans 5 says, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You know, that's, how, that's how we know and experience the love of God. He comes into our hearts. He's poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so if, I mean, if, we're, if we're shutting out the Holy Spirit in effect in our lives, and, and maybe a lot of us wouldn't say that, but if, if, if in our heart and our attitudes we're really kind of stiff-arming, holding back, quenching, hindering, restraining the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's just so many things that we're going to miss out on. The Holy Spirit emphasizes the love of God to us and brings us into the full experience of that love. All right, I want want to wrap up by saying some things about how how we are filled with the Spirit. We are not filled with the Holy Spirit according to any formula. But I would like to just touch on some things that I I think are attitudes or responses that are really important. Uh, Number one, you need to see this promise of the Father, this outpouring of the Spirit, as something totally desirable and completely wonderful and that you really want it. (laughs) See it as something desirable and wonderful. You know, God rarely gives people things that they don't want. He rarely gives his, his blessings and revelation uh, to, pe- think, to, to people who don't want. So we need to see that the promise of the Father is good. Do, do you want, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want to be filled? And if you've been filled, many, if you've been filled bef- before, you know, do you want to live this way? I'll put it. <laughs> Secondly, Become aware, or maybe I almost want to say educate yourself, but which is what we've been doing this morning, okay? But become aware of the promise of the Father. Become aware of this promise, that it is for you. And then believe that it is for you. And it's, Paul wrote to the Galatians, did, did you receive the Holy Spirit by observing the law or by hearing with faith? You know, really, we... we, we uh, we experience the Holy Spirit much by, by believing, by believing what God has said and what he has promised us. And part of the problem, I think, in, in, in today's Christianity is that, that we do not make the promise of the Holy Spirit part of the gospel that we share with people. And people don't know about him or, or have faith. I, I never really heard about the Holy Spirit much until like 
way after I had, you know, prayed a prayer of salvation. I heard someone say once, and, and, it, and this, was not, this was not some, you know, really off-the-wall Pentecostal. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, I'm not, not saying anything that's Pentecostal. I'm just saying this wasn't said by somebody that was really flaky. Uh, so, sorry, David, I'm getting, getting myself a teeter. <laughs> he said, he said, we should, he said, we should tell people, when we, when we explain the gospel to someone, when we lead someone to Christ, we should tell people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what Peter did. Repent of your sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, get water baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Spirit, but because we don't tell people that, because we don't tell people that there's there's this promise of the Spirit, then there's there's nothing for them to to put their faith into. There's there's nothing for them to to mix with their faith in order to to fully receive that and experience that. Number number, uh, well, I should stop numbering my points. Okay. We're on, but how, kind of how do we receive this? So th- then next, there, there must be a complete open-armed reception of God's Spirit without reservation. You know, repentance means to turn utterly from yourselves toward God. I mean, if you want the f- filling of the Holy Spirit, you, you must, repentance is a part of that. You must be willing to give up your reputation. You must be willing to give up your worldly ambition. You must be willing to give up your love of security and safety and maybe the love of some sinful habit and surrender your life to the Spirit of God. Being filled with the Spirit means we are not filled with ourselves or anything that is opposed to God. can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and with anger and bitterness and hatred at the same time. And when a glass is full of water, there is nothing else in it. Um, the Holy Spirit is a, is a person who lives in you. He is a person, and you are a person. To be filled with the Spirit means that He is the dominant person. It means He is personally there with you and overshadowing you uh, and, and what you are. I had a song that I heard, and I don't know anything about the person that sang this. I don't know anything about their life. But the words I thought were good. Uh, communicates just what I, what I just said. Holy Spirit, I am calling on you. And if, and if you, if you, if you want to just, why don't you just close your eyes and listen to me the rest of what I have to say this morning. Holy Spirit, I'm calling on you. Come and fill me up and leave no space at all. My heart is opened. And I am determined to be consumed by you and you alone. Teach me. Show me, guide me, know me, live in me, Holy Spirit. Like a blazing fire and a raging sea, ignite this passion, stir up this gift in me. Release your power here in this place. You're invited to come and have your way. Lead me, use me, testify through me, live in me, Holy Spirit. Father, we believe that you have poured out your spirit 
that you have gladly given him as your gift to your sons and daughters. And today, if you mean this, I, if, if, you, if you want this, if you mean this, I, I just encourage you to, to tell the Father that you received this wonderful and precious gift. Just say, Father, I welcome and receive this gift with wonder and happiness and deep gratitude. Come, come and fill me. Come and fill me. Immerse me. May my greatest ambition each day to always be full of your spirit and to know and experience the fullness of your spirit as much as is possible in this life. Amen.